You're right, guys. Welcome to Jesus Unfiltered, Durham CU's new podcast about how we make sense of Christianity in the modern world. I'm Joseph Knight, a third year studying history at Durham. And I'm Judith Holmes, a second year theology student. In this podcast, we want to chat about 21st century issues in a Christian context, have a look at what the Bible has to say about them, and join in with some important conversations. Today, we'll be looking at whether there's room for the gospel in the United Kingdom's corridors of power. And excitingly, we're here with former Liberal Democrat leader and MP for Westmoreland and Ronsdale, Tim Fowler. Modern liberal democracy, you don't need to be a Christian to support it, but it's unthinkable in its current form, in all its best forms, without the gospel underpinning it. Hi, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to hear from you. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh, mine. Well, I'm, I'm Tim. I am sadly 50. Um, and I live in Millthorpe, which is just, uh, just outside the Lake District in my constituency, which, to those of you uh, for whom that means nothing, is basically the southern end of the Lake District, Kendall, and the western bit of the Yorkshire Dales. So it's very lovely and, um, and very big. And uh, I'm speaking to you from my office in London from... Um, what feels a bit like the Marie Celeste, because once upon a time I had staff here, but they are now working very productively from home, and they've taught me to do really radical things like actually use the printer myself, uh, which has been quite laborious, but I've done it. So, yeah, I'm married to Rosie. We have four kids in between the ages of 14 and 33, um, and uh, I could tell you lots more about myself, but maybe that would be um, for later questions. I am a Liberal Democrat. I joined the Liberals when I was 16. Uh, at sixth form in Lancashire, I went to university just up the road from you guys at Newcastle. Um, between 88 and 92, I was president of the union. Uh, between 91 and 92, I've uh, been an MP since 2005. I'm a Christian. Um, more about that in a moment, I imagine. And I am also a long-suffering, although occasionally elated, Blackburn Rover supporter. Yeah, so... Um... Some would say um, you being a politician, but also a Christian, um, that you would need to keep faith and politics apart. Um, the, the idea that you keep the religious and the secular sphere um, mm. separate. Um, but obviously there are also lots of Christians in Parliament, you being one of them. And, you know, there are several organisations, Christians in politics, Christians in Parliament, um, that try and channel um, the muse of Christianity into uh politics and um, how would you respond to the idea that faith and politics should be kept separate well i think it's not logical for one thing you wouldn't expect uh, a marxist to leave their worldview at the door um before they enter the house of commons for example or any debate or any other person with any other worldview so why should the worldview that we label religious um be somehow uh, special i think that's not true i think the the, the danger is that we've slipped into um, a thinking where we assume that secularism is is neutral, uh, and people who have a faith are kind of kind of tolerable but eccentric. Um, and I don't think that is intellectually credible. But I think it's ridiculous. There is no such thing as neutrality. Um, every viewpoint, every worldview is partial. Uh, as a liberal, um, I think it's right to fight for uh, plurality, if you like, in the public square. Um, and a measure of a real liberal is to defend the rights uh, of expression, especially to those people 
who you actually most disagree with. Any old fascist can stick up from their own tribe. Um, it takes a liberal to actually fight the corner of somebody else's. Um, so no, I, I think it is, it is a nonsense to say that people of faith um, should have to kind of somehow wear a health warning before they, uh, they, open, they open their mouths in the public square. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And, and the, so with, with the uh, idea that no one is really neutral, um, I'm assuming your, your faith impacts the way that you vote in Parliament. Um, you know, how, how does that work on certain issues? Well, that's a really good question. Of course, of course it does. Um, I think that the first thing to say that there are Christians in every political tribe. So I think different political opinions are entirely legitimate within, um, you know, biblical Christianity. Uh, and these are different ways of ordering society whilst we're here and seeking to do good in the public space and to look after the welfare of the place in which you have been placed. So I think that's, that those things are important. There is a misconception by some um, that uh, your faith influencing your politics means that you kind of take an edict from a foreign power. Um, you know, you, so I'm, I'm told by the Bible to do X and that overrides reason or it overrides um, what your party would say and what have you. Um, and the point is, Christianity is reasonable. <laughs> Um, and I choose to follow Jesus Christ because I believe he's exactly who he says he is. Um, I think the intellectual argument for um, accepting uh, Christ is immense. I will say this, though, and this is, I think, perhaps to just push back against those who think, oh, well, therefore, the Bible says X is wrong, then there you will vote to make it illegal. Um, I don't think there's any value at all. In fact, I think it's counterproductive to make people who are not Christians live as though they were. There's no value in that at all. Um, uh, Edmund Burke once said something to the effect of, all the laws against the godless have not saved one single soul. And that is several hundred years old, um, and it's spot on. Um, the gospel gives us no, uh, the scripture doesn't give us any um, motivation to do that. My experience is that it's actually totally counterproductive. And it also goes against our belief in the dignity of every single human being. Um, in, 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 obedience follows love for Christ and faith in Christ. Um, it isn't something that you're forced to do. Uh, and so, um, yes, um, my faith will influence how I vote and how I think about the world. Um, but part of my faith is understanding the complete dignity of every other human being, my own complete sinfulness and fallenness, and my and the um, command for me to judge no one else, no one else, or else I will also be judged. So, as Christians, if we are to believe that God is sovereign and has ultimate authority, um, then why is there a need for having and respecting um, our earthly governments? Well, first of all, we're told to do that, to render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's, and to respect the government of the day. Now, of course, there are limits to that um, when governments, in a very express and uh, egregious way, uh, go against, you know, obvious, obvious laws of uh, decency. And, uh, and so I think, um, but by and large, you know, our job is to engage in the public sphere. I think there's a really, I've thought about this a lot, really, because, you know, um, during the kind of most uh, fractious days of Brexit, brackets, you know, it's back upon us now. Uh, Brexit isn't done. <laughs> Who knew? Um, but now, you know, we have COVID as well. The, the 
potential for Christians to feel, well, everybody, but particularly Christians to think, my goodness me, everything about the public realm, indeed everything about life on Earth, is so appalling. We just discovered today that there's potentially life on Venus, so that's nice and scary. It's just getting more excited by the second. Um, aliens that would eat sulfuric acid, so come on, you know, 2020, what more have you got? Um, but I think the point I'm making, to be serious, is that we can panic and think this is all just too much. Um, uh, or secondly, we can end up being kind of hermits and trying to protect ourselves um, from the world. And I think what I want to say two things to encourage Christians as to how we should think about current affairs and politics in the world at the moment. Um, the first thing is, and I don't mean to be flippant, but don't panic. God wins. You know, you are if you're pulling Jesus Christ, you're winning. You're going to win. Now, you know, mostly speaking, it's a bad thing to read to the end of a book first. Um, but honestly, read to the end of Revelation, it ends really well. Um, do not panic. You're on the winning side. Whatever it feels like, you're on the winning side. Second thing, that does not give you an excuse to be a kind of hermit and think, well, I'll dig into the rock until, you know, uh, either I pass away or Christ returns. That is that's not what we're encouraged to do. We are encouraged to seek the welfare of the city in which we have been placed. And I think Jesus models an involvement in the world in which we live. Uh, in particular, and uh, there's lots of examples, but I am deeply personally moved by, um, as I'm sure I'm not the only one, um, the account of Jesus as he approaches the tomb of his, of his friend Lazarus. Um, so I'm, my assumption is that Jesus being God himself um, knows he's about to raise Lazarus in a few minutes' time. He is deeply moved. And I think that I am told by people who know their, um, their, their, their Bible translations and their New Testament Greek far better than me. Bracket, I don't know it at all. Um, the, the translations we get about Jesus weeping and Jesus, Jesus twice being told, we're told he's deeply moved, they're rubbish, weak translations. That actually, the translation is of a... A guttural sound reminiscent of that of a wild, wounded animal. And so this rage Christ has um, against more than his grief, but it's more than grief, as he a, a hostility towards death. I'm delighted my saviour feels like that about the biggest enemy we face. And I think that whilst he may well, I'm sure he did know what was about to come and it was glorious it was going to end well it didn't stop him entering in it didn't stop him entering in not as a kind of fake sort of you know visiting but fully immersed and that's what we should do we should get our hands dirty and our hearts broken serving in the place where god has put us don't panic yeah and um, that that is is incredibly moving the 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 idea that jesus you know he, he wept and and he cried tears of blood and um, you know before he was gonna die and and that we you know that 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 calls us to to get involved and you know if 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 jesus god himself was so involved in in creation you know what are we and um, you know we we should get involved despite the fact that we know that god is gonna win and um, so with with um the idea that we should get involved. Um, how how uh, important have Christians and, and Christian values been to British politics in the past? I think immensely. Um, I think in many ways it hasn't really occurred to me quite so much as uh, quite how much they have 
Christians and Christian values have had a positive impact um, on not just British politics but Western liberal democracy, really. Um, uh, I, you know, it, it is it is said that the institutions we we have um, in the West uh, are in many ways unthinkable without the gospel. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, and that doesn't mean that the Christian Church has always had you know, totally positive influence, you know, it, the Christian church is full of human beings who screw up and, and there have been various political movements that have sought to appropriate Christianity and I'm uh, a person who opposes state religions of any kind. Um, but put that to one side, you know, that if you believe in the, the doctrine of grace, um, i.e. I am a sinner, um, I have been saved by grace and um, others are about, have that grace made available to them. Um, and if you believe in the fundamental equality and dignity of every single human being, because you are, you know, uh, Genesis tells us that we are um, the apex of creation. You know, I'm a space nerd, right? And all this exciting stuff with Venus, you know, think of the most epic thing out there in the solar system or in the, the wider universe, you know, black holes, quasars, pulsars, you know, all that kind of unbelievable mind-blowing awesome stuff that's awesome but you're in his image so if you believe that everybody is made in god's image not only do we believe in equality we believe in an equality far loftier far loftier than the so it's all right being equal there we believe in people being equal there um uh because we're made in the image of god so if you believe those things and you're going to believe in a level of equality um i guess also if you believe in concept of human beings being fundamentally flawed and sinful you're not going to want too few of them ruin the show you're going to want to spread the load uh, hence democracy if there's a, a foundational belief in justice and they're being right and wrong then that underpins the kind of legal system that we have um particularly in the west so i think modern liberal democracy you don't need to be a christian to support it but it's unthinkable in its current form in all its best forms without the gospel underpinning it. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I guess the most high-profile um, example, potentially high-profile example, is 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 William Wilberforce and and um, the impact of uh, of uh, the the Methodist movement in the 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 impact that had on the the abolition of the slave trade. And obviously, there's still work to be done, um, even today, um, on on racial injustice even in the church and you know we christians and it's my my opinion it, it were were almost fundamental to to the you know the passage of um the slavery yeah. in 1807 1833 um yeah. yeah what what um how important do you think you know as as you were talking you know you're talking about all this space stuff and and um and and these future discoveries, the, the aliens on Venus. And how important do you think Christian values could be in in, in politics in the future? Um, so I kind of think that it's important to see. We talked about Wilberforce a moment or two ago, and it's a reminder that Christianity is always, if done properly, always countercultural. And um, you know, if if Christianity is going with the grain of the society, you can be sure there's something wrong. Um, so it will always be challenging. It will just take different forms in different times. The reality is that there is um, fallenness and wickedness and, and good uh, in different forms, in different, in different eras is really important. Um, and 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and always. And so in every era, we will want people who, um, in, in public life, who follow Jesus Christ, and in so doing, seek, falteringly, of course, um, to live out the values that, um, that are intrinsic to following Jesus Christ. And that is about essentially, you know, your universe revolving around him, not about you or anyone else for that matter. So I think the, the importance of Christians in politics is, um, you know, has never been greater. Um, and therefore, it's, but it's also more just as important that those who are in politics remember that we're being watched um, and uh, by everyone. Um, and, and therefore, we need to be immensely careful in how we speak to one another, um, be prayerful about how we approach things. Um, but not shrink away, you know, uh, as has been said elsewhere, meekness and weakness are not the same thing. Um, so you can be robust in the things that you believe in, um, but uh, don't be so shy. You know, we're, pride um, is wrong, vanity is wrong, uh, but that doesn't mean we have to be without force when we're seeking to fight for those things we believe are completely right. Yeah, definitely. I think that's such an important challenge even in our prayers as to how we're seeking to see a more just and biblical society moving forward um, and it's really great that there are people like yourself in the UK parliament who are continuing to fight um, for this future that we're looking towards. You mentioned how um, Christianity if done correctly is countercultural. Um, bearing that in mind um, I think you've already began to answer this, uh, but I'd love to hear more. Um, is there room for the gospel and God's radical and unconditional love in the often unforgiving sphere of politics? Yes, but I also think that's pretty much the most countercultural element of it. It's a really great point. I think the that there is a God and that we are not our own gods and that we do not just answer to ourselves and our own whims and us you know, being true to ourselves is not the ultimate goal. Um, actually living for the God who made us and who loves us and who is perfect, that's it. That's radical, absolutely radical. And equally radical, there's more to it than that, but I think the second of the two major radical elements of, uh, and countercultural elements of, of Christianity and Christian living, particularly when it relates to politics, is the idea of grace. The idea that you would forgive somebody who has done deep, great harm to you um, and indeed therefore um, forgive people who are just rude about you <laughs> um, or unkind um, and so I think that is that is incredibly radical and incredibly counterproductive counterproductive obviously not counterproductive very productive countercultural um, I think those and, and I think it's also a great witness I think the the idea and I'm bound to say this aren't I as a kind of centre-left liberal but the idea that Christianity is conservative and dull come off it, it's the most radical and outrageous belief system on the planet. Um, and uh, far more radical and far more progressive than anything proposed in a worldly sense by anybody who had done themselves a radical or a progressive. And, um, and, but I think at its heart is that challenge to um, self at the centre um, and um, to, uh, to condemn and to take exception and take offence, um, uh, um, that being not accepted, and instead grace and forgiveness being the rule. Um, so I became a Christian like two months before I went to university, um, and probably you know 
spent much of my time with a foot in both camps. And I just wonder, I feel it's pretty harder today than it was then. Do we want to talk about that for a moment or two? Would that be helpful? I'm just talking about politics. Yeah, I think it would be, be fab. Um, yeah, I mean, why don't you uh, tell us about how, you know, how you became a Christian, how, um, and, and how, you know, in, in such a short space of time to you going to uni, uh, mm. how um, you, uh, you know, struggled with, with student culture, because um, that's often very, uh, you know, uh, Christianity is very countercultural to student culture. Mm. And, you know, like you say, about having two feet in both camps, um, you know, what was that like? So I became a Christian at 18. I was brought up in a, uh, a very loving home, but I was not raised to be a Christian. In fact, I was raised to be really quite sceptic, um, to be very sceptical of anybody who took anything too seriously. Um, and, uh, and I was quite cross at Christianity for various reasons. Um, I was at sixth form college. Uh, there was what I call a guy called Jack, who was the college Christian. I liked him, but I thought his faith was, he wasn't the only Christian in the college, but he, he used to get uh, written off as that. There was a, he, was, he once had a pint of beer at a college do, and the front um, page of the college magazine um, uh, read, uh, with a, read a picture of this pint that just said, Jack X, it's a sin. <laughs> Poor lad. 4,000 people read that, um, you know, and it, you know it, 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 I mean, it was, it was lighthearted, but it was this sense of, you know, you've got to live a particular way, haven't you, or if you're a Christian. And so I, I just thought Christianity was weird, uh, restrictive, and probably not true, but it was. Um, and so putting an awful long story short, um, I, um, my mum got a job teaching in Singapore. Um, de de um, uh, sort of deployed, what's the word? Um, uh, seconded, that's the word, <laughs> from what was then Preston Poly, now the University of Central Lancashire, to teach in this place in Singapore. And I ended up in a room in the house we um, rented that belonged to previous tenants who were, or had been lived in by people who were Christians who previously worked for the college. Um, I ended up reading their books. Um, and you probably call them apologetics and stuff which looked at um, evidences for Christianity. And I, you know, I went back to Singapore um, for the five weeks I was there, only the second time I'd ever been abroad, um, still the furthest I've ever been. And it was, um, you know, I was a sceptic, you know, liberal, Guardian reader, um, the last person you'd imagine would fall for this nonsense. Um, and in the early hours of one morning, it just struck me with an almost physical force. Oh, flip, it's true. And if it's true, it's the most epic and important thing on the planet and everything else you believe to be true is just blown out of the water. Out of the water. Um, and um, so, it, yeah, and so it, it's, it's hard. And I think that the most important thing I would say, learning from the mistakes I made, is, um, first of all, uh, if Christianity is true, do something about it. If you're someone who's not sure, um, it's more important than anything else you're, you know, ever going to encounter. So check it out. Do yourself a favour. Um, and if you decide that you're going to follow Jesus, um, you know, you'll you'll mess up. I did. You know, everybody does. Um, but do do understand the real value of putting down Christian roots. I mean, I didn't meet another Christian until 
two months after I'd become one. Um, and you know, there were times when I was at university where I just thought I'll do the easy thing rather than what I know to be right. And uh, you know, that happens to all. But I just want to encourage you: the thing that will um, make your life as a Christian hardest is spending less time with other Christians. The thing that will make your life as a Christian more fruitful. I won't say easier, but you will find it less challenging, um, is bedding in with good Christian friends, finding a good church, and putting God as the centre of your life, not as some satellite around you. And um, uh, so, I mean, the rest of it's for another day, but um, if it's true, it's the most important thing on in your life ever. Do something about it. And if that's so despite all of gravitational pull to do and think and be everything else at university. Um, and I'm not saying don't enjoy yourself, but I am saying um, put God at the centre. And that means building Christian friendships and doing it. That harks back to C.S. Lewis, doesn't it? Saying, uh, you know, if, if Jesus died, it changes everything. If Jesus didn't, then it doesn't change anything. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't, you don't have to be overly kind of... Um, uh, iconoclastic and all that kind of thing but what's the point in churches if there's the gospel's not true you know makes it into affordable housing or something you know curry houses whatever now we're it's i, I mean i am genuinely of the view that there is the more i look at it and more i think about it it's either a hoax or it's without even remote close competition the most important um news in the history of the world and there isn't a middle way you know it's it's not interesting if you look at how insistent and specific you know these are written that you might believe uh, written as history written as persuasive history it's either a tissue of well-organized lies or it's true that it's a bit of a fable it doesn't wash not with any study it doesn't it might you know, that that you might be conning yourself and making yourself feel better about not committing by thinking there we can't be sure i'm sorry you get into the archaeology of this you get into the textual criticism of the new testament documents i'm sorry you've only two choices it's a deliberate hoax or it's true thank you so much for listening to today's episode of jesus unfiltered we've been so inspired by what tim shared today and we hope you have too yeah come back next week where we'll be talking to astrophysicist and theologian david wilkinson to answer the question have modern day scientific discoveries rendered faith in jesus obsolete